Welcome, everybody. We're joined today by Colin Robinson. Thanks for being here with us today, Colin. Thanks, absolute pleasure. So Colin has a business called Laguerra Property Advisory. Can you tell us more about that, Colin? Yes, indeed. Um, I look to help um, property developers arrange their finance for sort of three phases of project developments. So for a developer, there's a kind of a, a life cycle of a project which can span three or four years from site acquisition where they find a site um, through to the actual construction of the building um, and then post-construction where there may be some residual debt at the back end. So um, through connections and through mainly um, senior banks and private capital groups, um, I source finance fundamentally for the purchase of land to be developed uh, for the construction of the project um, and then the resultant back in residual stock finance. So at our business breakfast last week, there people were very interested after you gave your 30-second elevator pitch about Laguerra property. How have you found the last 12 months? Fascinating, um, challenging um, and interesting too. I think from a personal perspective, it was quite profound to see what was being imposed when we'll look back on this in 5, 10, 15 years' time is to think, my God, how could a disease just wreak so much havoc across um, our personal lives? But professionally, very interesting as well because it was, um, in fact, this week is is extraordinary from a 12-month um, when you go back in time because it was on or about the, the 23rd, 24th of March. Um, this week, in fact, that um, when we had the lockdowns, the first lockdowns happen, um, and a lot of the money which is sourced to finance projects comes out of the private capital groups. And literally overnight, those um, funding conduits ceased or closed or um, became very difficult to access finance for various projects. But almost similar to what transpired with the, the stock market, if I can use that analogy, where uh, the, the decline in value went from 7,000, 7,200 or thereabouts on the all odds, falling 30%, which was, you know, here we go, this could be GFC-like connotations. It rebounded very quickly within about a, a quarter and a half. So like the, the all ordinaries, the, the private capital groups that um, were perhaps more progressive and take on more leverage than the major banks came back into the fold after things sort of normalised a, a bit and the government support became apparent that there was going to be money in the system which would be able to support people and in turn sort of that spending power parity. So the private capital, can you see that continuing? Uh, absolutely. Um, it's it's probably driven a little bit sort of back a couple of steps from um, APRA to an extent who have um, certain controls and, and benchmark observations of the major banks and, and because of that to, to some extent that banks tend to be more restrictive in how they lend into project developments. Um, they have benchmark caps and restrictions so on occasions they can become limited as to what they can do and um, can provide less money in a particular project than can the private capital groups. Uh, the private capital financing is more expensive but it tends to be more flexible, um, more quick to be able to find a solution and with different um, fund structures and, and leverage points as well. And banks would probably argue it's carrying more risk too. Uh, absolutely, yeah, but it's interesting too because that where the private capital groups are now from what can be described as a first mortgage position is exactly as the same as where banks were, say, 10 years ago. But the bank's first mortgage position is um, is at a lower position now than it was you know, 10 years ago. So it's, it's interesting how the where the banks have um, retreated or reduced in what they can do for a given project, the private capital groups have seen that opportunity and have come in and taken that space. So when you look at um, 
the RBA and interest rate settings and what's happening with residential property prices, what's it, what, what, if any, are the parallels that you see? It's, it, it's perhaps more close to the developer where they look at what the abilities of their intended buyer to, to be able to fund um, their completed dwelling at the end of the day. For the private capital groups, it does have a, a mirror to um, to what the pricing uh, benchmarks could be for the, for the private capital groups more broadly. But there's a, there's a greater point that um, that can have more competitive tension on, on the pricing, which lends to sort of price tension with the private capital groups and in turn the impact that that can have on the ultimate um, pricing structure. So the people who are looking to use Laguerra Property Services, they're medium to large building developments, would you say? Yeah, developments, that's right. And anything from industrial lots to land lot subdivisions through to commercial buildings being built or residential apartments or townhouses. Colin, what's a typical example of someone who would come to seek the services of you? Um, there's a couple in more recent times which come to mind that they are developers which have got sort of three, four, five projects on the go at any one point in time from finding land to be in the middle of construction to the end of a project development. There's there's a couple that have um, recently launched projects but they're in the, the market for buying new properties so I've been able to A, help them find some sites through the networks of project sellers but then also be able to raise um, finance for them, um, sometimes on an equity basis where they need to, um, um, or they have a desire to do more projects and hence with a given amount of equity they can um, only do so much but when they find sites with um, equity providers they can acquire and then develop in turn um, more sites. So there's a couple of those projects where they're, um, where, where they're more active with uh, the ability to, to source a greater array of financing options. And where are some of the growth geographical locations? There's still the growth corridors which are expanding through Geelong, even through north um, um, northwest as well. So the, the, the growth corridors are still quite pronounced. Um, but also um, in the inner middle rings, there's a lot of sites being acquired for 1,500 square metres, 2,000 square metres, where there's um, some of the corridors you can see uh, project developments that have been bought and then also developed. Residential? Yes. Commercial? Yep. So Northcote, there's a couple of sites which are quite act active as well. Um, Hawthorne, Malvern, Glen Iris has been a, a part which is um, in Leafy Suburbs. You get some downsides or opportunities where there's there's good quality apartments projects being built. Not a large number, but just probably more in the high end value. Yes, it's interesting when you when you see the statistics of people leaving Melbourne mm. and leaving the state. How does that reflect on the projects that are coming your way? I th it's 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 interesting because that's a recent phenomenon. But um, I think what's been of greater impact has, has been the um, the decline in immigration, which is one of the greatest levers and um, and um, causes of, of economic activity and building development, largely, particularly for the larger project developments. So I think that what that's had on an immediate impact is is an increase in vacancy and users of the apartment stock, particularly in in a ring around Melbourne. But um, given that it's it's kind of a lag effect and it takes time for projects to be A, found, go through a planning process and then actually developed, there's a lag effect of that two or three years. So there's there's always a need to, to accommodate a, a burgeoning population. Um, so I think that this is a, a chink in time that um, will hopefully absolve itself with um, the borders opening up. Oh, I just reflect on a, a comment or a conversation from Chief Executive uh, or President of the Committee for Melbourne, George Pappas, had um, with, with um, Steve Brax when he left office 
and he asked a question as to what the Committee of Melbourne should, should focus on um, into the future. Um, and Steve said when he started, it was a compelling response, um, Steve said when he started office that um, we had enough accommodation stock to house everybody. I leave office and that's my greatest challenge or problem, that we have a limited supply of stock for the, the inflow of people, immigration and natural growth um, to accommodate everybody. He said we need to create more housing stock. So with that, the... Um, that the state government have, has opened up the boundaries. But I think one of the, the greatest opportunities for Melbourne are two things. One, which is not wanting to hopefully sound too recalcitrant or, um, or, or challenging, but is to have a centralised planning body which can oversee the great planning of a city to which that we've benefited from throughout our history. Um, and secondly, to have more concentration particularly down the major corridors within Melbourne and suburbs. Not excessive height limits, but to have a control mechanism through um, some of the, 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 the arterial roads to perhaps six storeys. And, and with greater concentration, you can still maintain a great um, standard of living and, um, and ranking of, of the city in the housing um, index, as it were, where we've been one of the, the better livable cities in the world. And there are some um, great livable cities which have highly concentrated accommodation. Going back to the beginning of our discussion, which was where we met at a networking function, you'd have to be a master networker and you probably have people come back and use your services after each project? Yes, they do, yes. So I, I look to not just work straight with developers, but also engage with and bring together uh, professional people from engineers, from architects, uh, from town planners, so where the opportunity presents itself. It's, um, it's just thinking about how uh, the services of that network of professionals may be able to help a developer. Um, or similarly, when a developer puts his hand up and says, I'm needing a help with a particular matter, to be able to, um, to refer people to that, uh, that, that particular developer. Where can you see us going in the next 12 months once JobKeeper finishes, once a lot of stimulus um, into the economy has been eased off? Uh, what are your predictions? Um, notwithstanding, I see that there are very distinct challenges in the marketplace. Um, I'm kind of a half full person, so I, I do see that there's, there's a need to continue to accommodate people. Um, and from a development perspective, I do see that there are a, a number of projects which... Um, um, have got opportunity to, to, to grow and, and develop further. So Colin, with the regulatory framework around construction, what do you see some of the opportunities and challenges being? I think it's, it's, it's one of the greatest challenges for developers and that is the time and the process through which that they can reconcile the vision of what they want to, to do on a particular block of dirt uh, compared to what the council may allow, uh, allow or what the, the, the building regulations do provide for. So there's a process to go through, but one of the greatest difficulties of development is, is the tyranny of time. So being able to navigate through that process quickly and to, to come up with a solution which is ticked off um, is, is crucial, but it, it remains one of the greater challenges aside from getting finance uh, for most developers. Any comments about Sydney compared to Melbourne? Sydney's an interesting place. It's, um, it's strong and it's grown particularly in the city as well. But it's, um, it's, it's capped from a, um, a geographic perspective compared to, say, Melbourne, where we've got, um, I think, a um, greater rate of growth of, of population growth, certainly over the last five years. So it's, um, it's, it's an interesting place. And Colin, what's your background? How did you get into this field that you're currently in? 
Um, I'm long-term um, banking, so I've got a, a history of working with the banks, mostly in commercial property financing. So I set up ANZ Bank's commercial property lending division a number of years ago now and ran that nationally for, for a few years. But I've overlaid that with um, direct industry experience from a funds management perspective of, of running a mortgage trust business, which looks very acutely at the raising of funds from investors and then deploying those into project developments and also had direct industry experience by working with a property developer as well from uh, running their sales machine, which is one of the, the great challenges and needs of a developer is to is to ensure that what they create gets accepted by the market. So long-term senior banking overlaid with some direct industry experience. So you've seen it from a lot of perspectives, the development. Yes, indeed, which, which is actually quite um, beneficial to be able to, to see and understand what what the pressure points are from uh, from the cycle of development, which for a developer, it's interesting when you, you badge a person as a developer because it is a person who is, in the end of the day, um, very multi-skilled with planning, engineering, construction, finance, um, operations, sales, marketing. So there's a whole bunch of skill sets that are needed to to look at a block of dirt and, and create a dwelling or an industrial shed or a commercial office at the end of the day. So, Look, thanks for joining us today, Colin. Would you be happy to field any um, inquiries that came your way? Absolutely. And they've, they've started already. I've had some questions and some meetings post the event. So it was a terrific forum and a terrific start to that day. And, and it's certainly followed on with a few um catch-ups already, so I'd welcome that very much. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. So anybody who's looking for Ligero Property Services and wanting to contact Colin, he's on LinkedIn, Colin Robinson. Thanks for joining us today, Colin. Thanks indeed. Thanks very much.